You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast. Interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Dr. Darlene Lobel, welcome to Real Faith Stories. It's really an honor to have you on the program today. Oh, thank you, Brian. I am delighted to be here. I am really looking forward to digging into your story and how God transitioned you amazingly out of a career in neurosurgery into helping people all over the world understand their true identity and their authority in Christ. What I'd love to do is start back at the beginning with your childhood. I'm fascinated with how you got into neurosurgery. So if you could start there, we'll just keep rolling. How about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I can't remember a time when I didn't want to be a healer. Even as a very little girl, we had pets at home, right? And I would fake bandage them up and take care of them, right? <laughs> and my little baby dolls and all of that. And just the idea of healing was was birthed within me. And I was very blessed to have a mother who both raised me in the word of God and also raised me to believe I could do anything I set my mind to. So I went to college knowing I wanted to go into medicine. I wasn't sure exactly what type, but I was a Duke and they had a program where you could shadow different physicians. And, you know, I I spent time with an OBGYN. I spent time with a pediatrician, a general practitioner, a general surgeon. And then, you know, it, it was interesting, but it really didn't sit. And I was actually beginning to wonder, wow, did I make a mistake? Mm. Is this really not what I'm supposed to do? And then I went in and worked with a neurosurgeon and I walked in the operating room for the first time to see a neurosurgery and saw the brain there. And I just knew something within me just quickened. And I said, this is it. This is what I have to do. There is nothing else. And from that moment, I mean, I think I was a junior in college. I knew. So I went to medical school with the full intention of being a neurosurgeon. And I did what I had to do to get there. So it was, yeah, it was something birthed in me very early on to be a healer. One thing about me is I always love discovery. I love discovery of something new. And I knew that there's so little we actually know about the brain. And in fact, it's funny, one of the brain surgeries that I did so commonly, deep brain stimulation, we don't even know how it works exactly, right? hmm. but we know that it does work. So I knew I could spend my entire life in the field and always be in a place of discovery. And that was really important to me. What was one of your biggest aha moments as a neurosurgeon? I always believed that God could do anything. That's how I was raised. And I had seen miracles. I'd seen miracles in my own life. I was healed of a of a fracture in my wrist when I was 20. This was before I even went to medical school and very quickly too, through prayer. So I always believed in miracles, but as a practicing neurosurgeon, you know, they drill in you. Well, you know, these are the percentages. These are the statistics of this, that, and the other, right? And they teach us to make medical decisions based on that. Well, <laughs> I remember one time I was actually early in my training. I think I was a second year resident. So I had my MD, but I, 
you know, was in two out of a seven year training program. And for what I didn't know, I actually took a patient to the operating room. He was on an ATV and had fallen off and crushed his skull and just really bad, bad brain injury. But I, you know, just felt led to go to the operating room. So I'm waiting on my chief resident to get there. And he was taking his time. So I actually started the surgery. This is what goes on. So for better or worse, (laughs) this is the way it's done. So I had started the surgery and he comes in and it was, it was a long time ago. So we still had films that you kind of put up on that x-ray machine and we don't do that anymore. (laughs) That's the way we were doing it then. And he took it down and he was looking at it. He's like, why did you bring this patient to the operating room, Darlene? He's not going to live. And I said, no, we have to, we have to do this. I just knew, I mm-hmm. just knew. And so we did our surgery and man, this guy, he was in intensive care unit for probably two or three weeks. It touched me because he was really young and his wife, he had a young wife. She did not leave his side. And then there was one day that I was, I'd been at the hospital, I was driving home and the nurse called me and she said, you know, look, his pressure and his brain is really high. What do you want me to do? And I said, I don't know what to do. And she said, well, I thought, can I try this? And I said, okay, go ahead and do that. And so I come in the next day and this man, with his skull had been crushed. He was, by all intents and purposes, should have been dead was sitting up in the intensive care unit bed with his eyes open and his wife was there praying over him. And I said, wow, I said, I, God, you, you really, (laughs) you really can't do anything. It expanded my understanding that God's miraculous power has no limits. What was it the nurse did? She gave him a medicine that probably was not indicated, but what are you going to do at that point when it's, you know, someone is, if you do nothing, you know what the outcome is going to be. So you try something. So she just, she tried something a little bit unconventional, which is interesting because me taking him to the operating room would have been considered unconventional. And I, and I love that God works in unconventional ways a lot of times, right? The things that we don't think about, he thinks about, right? Because he can see the end from the beginning. And so, yeah, yeah. but it took faith, right? It took faith. It was my medical reputation on the line agreeing to a lot of what I did as a practicing neurosurgeon was following prompting of Holy Spirit. And there were times that there were many other times. That's just one story that really stood out to me. But I could tell you time and again, people should have died and they were alive. There was this one procedure that we would do. It's a type of very focused radiation called a gamma knife. And we would always get a new MRI scan the day before we would do this surgery. And this man had a huge brain tumor that we were going to treat. And we scanned him the day I was about to do this procedure and the tumor was gone. And his family said, we know, because we've been praying for it to be gone. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, there's been just so many miracles that I saw practicing that, that were amazing that really helped me to understand God is the limitless God. Have you heard of Elijah Stevens and his documentary, Send Proof? No, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's medically documented miracles. Incredible story. So I just wanted to share that with the listeners. That's worth looking up. Send proof. You know, something you said twice, I want to circle back on. First, Mm -hmm. you said when you were looking into neurosurgery, you had this knowing Mm -hmm. this was what you were going to do. Then you said with this person who 
had his skull crushed from falling off the ATV. You had a knowing that Mm -hmm. you were supposed to do surgery on this individual. And let's talk about this knowing. How do you describe that in terms of somebody listening to this? It's like, well, what is that, intuition? Yes. Okay. So I, I have come to a great understanding of this. I love this question, Brian. So 2 Peter 1.3 tells us that everything we need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. So to me, what that means is everything we will ever need to know on this earth, it's already inside our brain. And it literally just needs to be unlocked. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the way I see this is when we come across information that is already placed within us that we need either in that moment or will need at some time, when we allow Holy Spirit in and access, Holy Spirit, literally, I see Holy Spirit kind of tapping on that part of the brain and activating it Mm -hmm. and waking it up, right? That's a knowing. It's a it's a coherence almost between your spirit, mind, and body, right? And that is the point where I can describe both spiritually and scientifically what's happening. Jesus told us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's like heaven coming to earth in that moment, you know, and manifesting. Absolutely. How do you coach people to become more aware of that knowing? Yeah, so it really comes down to an understanding of their core identity, who God created them to be. I have found that when we understand that and the more fully we understand it and embrace it, we literally just know what to do because the decisions come out of who we are rather than choices that we're making consciously, right? Mm -hmm. And it certainly takes a lot of pressure off, what do I do, right? It's just you be who you're created to be. So a lot of the coaching I do is around identity and helping people understand what parts of the heart of the father are placed within them. What are their unique spiritual gifts that they carry and who are they called to serve? And when they understand that, then it just becomes so clear. And it's really anti-performance, isn't it? It is. It's, it's not about performance. You know, it's interesting, the world, I'm always comparing the world to the kingdom of God and the world rewards based on performance, but that's not what the kingdom is, right? Is it, You're not saved by the works you do, you're saved by grace. And your translated salvation is also translation into the kingdom of God, right? It's not just about heaven. And so it is through that grace that we are rewarded because of God's love for us, not because of what we did or what we didn't do. You were in neurosurgery for how many years? After I finished all my training, so probably a total of 20 years with all the training and whatnot. Then you had an experience that thrust you out of neurosurgery into coaching, really, and helping people come to a better understanding of their identity, as we mentioned in the beginning. Explain what Mm -hmm. happened there. Yes. So I was in my 40s. I was single at the time, and God had prompted me to adopt two children, which I had no plans for at that point, but I was following the leading of God. And so I had gone through that process, and the two children had been living with me for a couple of months. They came to live with me in June, so it was middle of summer. And then the children were starting school, and my son was very little at the time, so he was in daycare. But my daughter was starting 
second grade and I had found her this beautiful Christian school. She was excited about it. I was excited about it. And I had planned my whole schedule that day, her first day of school, to be able to take her to school and pick her up from school. This Mm -hmm. was super important to me and wanted her to feel safe too. And I had a few surgeries that day, but I scheduled them that they would be simple surgeries, right? And so I got her dropped off and went to surgery. And then I remember it was a little bit before three o'clock in the afternoon, which was the time that I had to leave to go pick her up. And there I was on my last case in the operating room, nowhere near Mm. ready to be done. Nowhere near ready to be done. The nurse said to me, Dr. Lobel, it's almost three. What do you want me to do? And still causes me to tear up. I literally started crying in the operating room. And through my broken tears, I said, can you please just call her an Uber because I don't have a way to go get her and I don't have anyone to send. And so she was okay because she got picked up by a limousine, essentially a black (laughs) car. She was all happy, right? But anyway, when I finally got home later that night and I was sitting with her on the couch, I said, honey, I'm so sorry. I said, there's nothing that I could do. And as I said those words, I remembered the number of times I had said that to my patients over the years. I'm sorry. There was nothing I could do. And I was tired of saying that. I was tired of saying there's nothing I could do because I knew that I served a God that is a God of the possible and not the impossible. So there should never be a time that we say, I'm sorry, there's nothing I could do. And that is what inspired me to open my mind to a new life, a different life. It was funny because God had asked me a couple years before that, would I give up neurosurgery? Or actually what he asked me, he said, would you lay down neurosurgery if I asked you to? And I had thought about it a lot at the time. And I said, well, that's who I am, God. (laughs) It was interesting. I thought that was my whole identity. And I said, but if you asked me to, I would. And it was shortly after this experience in the operating room that he did ask me to lay it down. And he did not let me know what I was being invited into. (laughs) Lay this down and then I'll show you the next steps. But I took them and I took them willingly. And what he invited me into was an identity journey. It was fascinating because I remember after I had left my practice at the Cleveland Clinic, we had moved to Florida and I went in my closet and I was praying. I said, God, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to be an author and a mother. And I said, well, how am I going to pay the bills? (laughs) Yeah. Don't worry about that. He said, I got you covered. He said, this is what I want you to do. And it's so fascinating because... I did obey. I did a lot of other things too that I thought I needed to do in order to help God to bring in the provision, (laughs) but that's another story entirely. But I love that he invited me to be an author because if you look at my books that I've written, I've written four books now and the fifth one is in the works. It literally is an identity journey because my very first book was very much medical. It was written for patients that had a condition that I used to treat very commonly with surgery, but I found that there were over 50 ways that holistically this condition could be treated. So I wrote a book 
to let them know about that, but it was all medical. And then my second book, actually, I wrote after I had gone to a Tony Robbins seminar. And I was fascinated there because I said, oh, my goodness, all these things that he's doing, they all have brain science behind them. So I started writing about using my knowledge of neuroscience, but in a different way, talking about how it's practical, right? So that was my second book. And then my third book was actually a a collaboration I wrote with somebody else who was writing for Christians in business and wanted to use neuroscience to help them, right, with that Mm -hmm. and to understand some of the scripture. And so I, I helped him with that. And then my fourth book, which is The Science of God's Healing Power, was where I found my true identity, which is I'm a healer that understands the intersection of faith and science. And that is the core of who I am. So that was my journey there. So very interesting. And it led to the birth of the global ministry that I now run at Healing in the Kingdom. You know, as I circle back to your air quote identity as a neurosurgeon, so, so common to associate vocation with identity. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like the way we do it in Western culture. And really throughout the world. And there is an eternal identity that we have that was breathed into us when we were born, actually before we were born. Right. How do you help people navigate through that space of moving from vocational identity to true identity in terms of the way God created us? Because you went through four books to get there. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Without it taking four books. No, it does not take my clients writing four books to get there now. It's a long process, man. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I've dialed it in for everyone. So let me be clear. (laughs) That is not what you need to do. Okay. Well, I love describing identity in a particular way. So I, I like visuals. I'm a visual person. So I describe identity as an artichoke. So if you can picture what an artichoke looks like, it has a core and then it has a bunch of leaves coming off of it, right? And typically... Any job profession that we have is actually one of the leaves of the artichoke, but it's not the core. It's not the heart, but it comes from that, right? And so what I help people do is understand that whatever they're doing for a living right now, whether it be doctor or coach or mother or father, whoever they are being, right? That's one of their expressions of who they are, but it is not the foundation. And it is so important because this is why... Some people, if they lose their job, they feel like their life is over because they think there's nothing else they can do. But if they can understand that that job was literally just an expression of something much greater that they are, that they carry within them, you don't worry so much about losing a job because that expression can come out in a hundred different other ways. And so for me, that core of a healer grounded in faith and science, yeah, that can look like neurosurgeon. It can also look like running a healing ministry, which is what I do now a lot of the times. And it can look like a coach and it can look like a mother who helps her children to bring out their identity and get healed from things that they've gone through, right? It it can be expressed in so many different ways. So I have a very specific process that I take my clients through, but we typically do it anywhere between six weeks to three months. And really have a beautiful understanding after that time of who their core is and the numerous expressions that they've already seen in their life and what is yet possible for them. As you're saying this, I think of the marketing saying that I'm stuck inside my own bottle and I can't read the writing on my label. 
Yes. And so you're clearly helping people do that through your coaching. There's some other information I'd like to dive into here, and it's related to some of the biggest lessons that you've said you've learned as you've been helping people. And one of those is regarding boundaries. You indicated that we're always setting boundaries with someone, with others, or with God. And you've chosen to set your boundaries with others, but give God full reign in your life. Explain that, please. Yeah. So, you know, I think today, especially a lot of people do talk about boundaries and they, you know, as a way to protect ourselves, I think that's the way the world looks at it, right? So Mm -hmm. boundaries are about protection and I'm not going to allow somebody to speak to me in this way, or you're going to have consequences. And those are the boundaries I think we're familiar with in the world. But we set boundaries around our time too. Where are we going to allow our time to be spent? How are we going to choose to spend our time? And I look at the kingdom definition of boundaries and even the purpose of boundaries in the kingdom. You know, if you go back and you read the Old Testament, very much the Israelites, they had boundaries around their territory because they were called to something very specific. And within your territory is not only your provision, but your abundance and your wealth. It is the area where you are called to serve, and it is the people within your territory that you are called to serve. So here's the thing. I find that a lot of times we, especially as new entrepreneurs, if there's any new entrepreneurs listening out here, we say, oh, well, I want to serve everyone or what I do will serve everyone. It may, but that doesn't mean that's what you're supposed to do. And you will literally limit God if you invite people into your territory that are not supposed to be there because now they are causing problems with the people that are supposed to be there, right? Mm -hmm. So boundaries Mm -hmm. are really, really important in the kingdom and understanding even boundaries around identity, who I am and who I am not. Like I used to get upset when I would create a post on social media or an ad and I would get people that didn't like it. And now I love it because I say, thank you, God, because you've clarified even further (laughs) where the boundaries are for me, right? And who I am and who I'm called to serve. Great. Now I have a lot of clarity. But the one place we are not supposed to have boundaries is with God because the kingdom is ever expanding. God created it that way. He created it with ever-expanding boundaries. And so with him, I give him free reign. And even when I don't understand where he's leading me in a certain season, because I may be just like I was that day in the operating room, right? I was on a path. Brian, I had my whole life planned out to, you know, 62 when I was going to retire. I had it all planned out. But I gave God free reign to say, I'm not putting any boundaries around you. I'm going to go where you call me and I'm going to do what you called me to do. And I'm not going to worry about what Tom, Dick, or Harry thinks about me leaving neurosurgery. Because sometimes we do. We, we say, well, you know, my family doesn't like this decision or my spouse doesn't like this decision or, you know, my followers don't like this decision. Well, if you're going to, you know, follow what they are saying, what other people are saying, then you have told God that you've set a boundary for him. So true. And that he can't come into that space. And I don't want to be there and I don't want to do that. So that's what I meant by sharing that. How has that played out in your life in the successive years after making this move into coaching? Well, I'll tell you, initially it was 
very challenging, especially because I didn't really understand all this about identity. So when I made the transition out of neurosurgery, I got a lot of flack from a lot of people, as you can imagine. Oh, I mean, yeah. People in the medical fields, you know, they essentially, they didn't understand why I was doing, why I would throw away, this was their language, why would you throw away your 17 years of education and training and throw away a 10-year career where you're, I was working at the number two hospital in the country at the time, had a thriving research practice, thriving surgical practice. Mm -hmm. I was associate professor of a university. I mean, you know, doing pretty well. Why would you throw that all away? This is the thing. They were not my people. And right now they're still not, and that's okay. And God may expand my territory one day to include them, but right now they're not. And so it was hard for me because I didn't know where I belonged. I would say it like that. I didn't know where I belonged. I knew I didn't belong there anymore. I didn't belong in a traditional church model. I mean, anybody that follows Healing in the Kingdom, you can see that we're about as far away from a traditional church model as you can get. But there's a movement of the Holy Spirit every day of the week, 24-7 in there. So that's, you know, to me, that's what that's what it should look like. But there was nobody that I could really go to for understanding other than the Lord, because there was no model for what I do now. There was no model for who I am in the ministry I run now. And so... Isn't it great being a pioneer? Yes, it's great. And it's also a little bit like there's that meme out on social media with on a roller coaster and the person's there like terrified and the Holy Spirit's there with hands up in the air like, yay! That's pretty much what being a pioneer is, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard it said the pioneer is always the one that has the arrows in their back. Yeah, it's very true. It's, It's very true. But now, you know, I understand the times and the seasons that the Lord brings, and there are seasons that end, and there's more than one Jordan River we cross in our lives. And that took me a while to understand. And certain people are not ready across that next Jordan with you. And who are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to follow God? Are you going to choose to stay back with what's comfortable? So I choose to go forward with God. How did the years as a neurosurgeon prepare you for what you're doing now? Do you see a bridge there? Oh, absolutely. I, I didn't for a while. And I thought, you know, how would I ever use any of that information? But God doesn't waste anything. You know, mm. just, there's so much I could even tell you about my early life before medical school that God used in amazing ways. Not only do I use my knowledge of neuroscience, but the research focus, let me tell you this, the research focus that I spent time on starting in the year 2011 when I went to France and worked at the French Atomic Energy Commission, that research is the basis for one of the most powerful ways that I help people connect with Jesus in healing in the kingdom. Wow. It's that science. I mean, it is absolutely amazing. And I used to use it to help people with spinal cord injury regain function. And now I use it to help people enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. I mean, isn't God an amazing redeemer of all things? Yes. It's overwhelming to hear that. And, you know, of course, the source of all knowledge from him, through him, and to him are all things. And all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ who dwells where? In us, like we said at the beginning, I get pretty stoked when I hear this kind of stuff because it just brings so much hope in the awareness that nothing is impossible. Nothing is held back unless he wants to hold it back from us understanding it. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I think the only reason knowledge is held back is if we are not prepared to give God our yes. Because sometimes we can think that's going to change us in a way that maybe we don't want to change, whether this is a conscious realization or not. And so it's actually us being willing to just give God that free reign and saying, you know what, I don't care what the world thinks, I still choose to give you my yes. But it is that knowledge is all available and he's ready and waiting to release it within us. What do you tend to focus on over and over again in your practice now? What is one of the biggest questions you encounter over and over? Well, one of the, so people come into the ministry or to my coaching because they often have a question of why am I not healed yet? If God truly is the miracle working God, why am I not healed yet? What am I doing wrong? And so in that statement, there are often a lot of limitations that I can see. First of all, you're not doing anything wrong. So if anyone is listening and you have not been healed yet, you're not doing anything wrong. Let me say that again. Jesus wants to heal you and you will be healed. That is what he does. It is who he is, more importantly. And so that is truth that we have to start with, a fundamental truth. Now, what I found is that we tend to want our healing or our success in business or our relationship, our marriage to look a certain way, right? We want it to look a certain way. And it's based on our limited understanding of what's possible. And God is the God of more than enough. He is the Ephesians 3.20 God. So he wants to give you so much more. And so I see people who say, well, I want God to heal me through intercessory prayer. And I said, well, what if God wants to heal you through a medicine or a surgery or something else? Is that not God healing? And they say, well, he's using a doctor. And I said, so what? He uses (laughs) instruments all the time. Mm. Jesus used resources to heal. You know, he took the, the mud and put it on the blind man's eyes. So he used resources too, and it's okay. What is the difference in whether a person has Holy Spirit flowing through them because they're laying hands on someone or Holy Spirit is working through a surgeon to heal someone. What is the difference? But people a lot of times have limited mindsets around that and they only want to be healed in a certain way. And if you limit God, you can literally shut the door on your healing. You can shut the door on your miracle. And I found just like with that patient I was sharing with you guys in the beginning, we can't even possibly conceive of how he's going to do what he's going to do. And we're not designed to worry about the how. Jesus never asked somebody, how do you want me to heal you? Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? That's what he said. Such an incredible point. How can people find out more about you and your ministry? You can visit our website, healinginthekingdom.com. We have a number of resources there, including a free gift called an Increase Your Faith Kit, which I absolutely love. It has a chapter from my book, The Science of God's Healing Power, the most recent one. And it has one of my favorite downloads that God has ever given me. It is a kingdom mindset assessment. So there's a little 
quiz you take online. It's 12 questions to help you see how much your mindset is aligned with Christ. And it's just everyday scenarios or processes that you might go through. And then what you get at the end of that is it gives you a little prescription from me because I am still a doctor. (laughs) So you get a little prescription with a recommendation into one or more of our programs. So we have something free for everyone and then we have something more in depth. But the best part about this, Brian, is that God showed me based on how people answer, right? That they're, that healing in the kingdom, it's really a hospital. It's a hospital for spiritual needs. And so God even showed me at times in my life that I was in the trauma bay or in the ICU or in surgery or this or that. And so it actually gives you a location. I didn't want to make it a white wall hospital. So God showed me this beautiful garden hospital. So you may be in the trauma bay, but you're going to be in a beautiful waterfall if you are. So Mm. it's a wonderful place to be. But those are, that's really the best way. We have a a community on Facebook as well, Healing in the Kingdom. And then we have a YouTube channel where you can listen to our messages. I go live on Wednesdays and we have our amazing prophetic intercessory prayer team that goes live and prays on Fridays. That's so great. As we finish here, I'd love to have you pray for our listeners, please. Absolutely. Father God, you are the almighty God. You are the limitless God. And we just worship you. We worship you. We bow down before you, Lord, and we lay our crowns at your feet, Lord. You are the source of all things. You are the source of love. You are the source of healing. You are the source of provision. And we thank you, God, that even now that you are ministering to each and every person, that you are touching their minds, touching their hearts, touching their spirits, and touching their bodies where they need healing, Lord. I thank you, God, that your power is just quickening within them, quickening within them that core of who you have created them to be that they are going to come into a greater understanding, a greater awareness of your majesty and the majesty that you have placed within them. I thank you, Lord, that you are causing any walls that they have built up to break down so that you can have free reign in their life, Lord. And may they know that this is a safe place with you because you always have what is good, what is hopeful in their path, Lord. I thank you, God. I thank you, God, for your blessings. I thank you for your blessings over Brian. I thank you for your blessings over each person who is listening to this podcast today. We praise you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being on the program. Loved your story. Absolutely. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.